to the new Vikings Mailbag Edition, coming to you every Friday in your feeds. We will be answering questions and discussing uh, more about the team heading into the weekly matchup. Uh, We will answer your questions via Twitter, social media. Please send them to us however you would like. Uh, You can find all of our contact information at startribune.com. Let's start off with a question from Gordon. Wants to know, I'm pulling for Andrew Booth. If one of the starting corners goes down in a game, is he the next man up? Now, guys, we talked about on the previous podcast about how their corners right now, their three-wide look is uh, Caleb Evans starting opposite Byron Murphy. When Murphy goes to the inside, it's going to be Makai Blackman, the rookie. Um, Blackman usurped uh, Booth pretty quickly this offseason to take that job showing his maturity for an older rookie at 24, a guy who played five years of college, six years really if you count his Juco year. And so he's been around the block, and, and they showed that he, he could he showed that he could handle a lot that they were putting on his plate. The same couldn't be said for Andrew Booth, who missed time again this summer with injury. Um, he's somebody who's been hurt, to his own admission, since high school, essentially, through his years at Clemson and into the NFL where he dealt with issues last year, had knee surgery in November. Um, So I want to get your guys' thoughts on Booth, and do you think he is the next man up? Because he has to be. Otherwise, it's Najee Thompson. Yeah, I I think he is. I think he has to be. That is one of the big questions with how this all goes. And we were talking in our previous podcast about how much the corners are going to have to say about how this ends up. At some point, he's probably going to have to play. Yeah. I would expect there's going to be an injury or something that will happen that will force him in, and we'll see how it goes because he hasn't played much in part because he hasn't shown he can stay healthy. So, uh, yeah, lot lot to figure out with all of those corners, but certainly with him if he ends up in the lineup at any point. How about those other corners had their own injury questions? I mean, didn't Evans had a bunch of concussions last yes. year? You guys wrote about he's got the new helmet that he's yeah. trying out, and that's hopefully in the new con- the new tackling, the tackling, the new tackling yep. techniques, things like that. But Murphy's had you know little little this, little that here and there. Like he's probably going to have to play at some point. And even those, like we said, even those first three, like you're a lot of ex- inexperience there. So I guess Booth is the next man up, and he was a second round pick. So you'd think he's got something to him i thought he played okay at times last year but this is not a particularly uh robust corner which is kind of surprising why that they who was the veteran they brought in joan joan williams joan williams yeah joan uh made it to the practice right. squad uh, ended up getting released because they kept six safeties yeah. and uh, we've heard from uh, kevin o'connell and quase dofo mensa that they like the versatility of that safety group and mention that they have college experience at corner between Bynum. Yeah. Cam Bynum and Jay Ward, who both played those spots um, at LSU. So if, if they lost a corner, my guess is you're seeing one of these safeties fill these nickel or slot roles, and then you're relying on just two outside corners. And Murphy, yeah, Murphy's coming off that back uh, injury where he had a fracture and a vertebrae that the Cardinals just flat out missed and let him play three games through. And um, he, but he says he's healthy now. Didn't need surgery. Otherwise, he had been relatively healthy in his young NFL career. But last year uh, was not the same player because of that injury. And yeah, Evans had the concussions, and and that's just a scary thing for him because one more talk talk about it like with Tua, like one yeah, more. you'd have to think it's kind of well. Though he had the one in training camp that on the kind of the friendly fire play in the end zone. I think it was during. One of the joint practices, um, yeah, I think it was the Titans. Titans, yeah, I think that's right. Where everybody thought 
because he tried to go back in the huddle and was kind of, I think, wobbly at the. Was he put in the protocol? Well, no. I I think what happened, he tried to go back in the huddle, and then O'Connell basically came out and said, "No, we're not doing this. Come on off." And then they found out that night that he did not have a concussion, so he was able to come back. But immediately, it looked like O'Connell was saying, "Uh -uh, "Uh-uh, we're not gonna take any chances here." That I think that was mostly the the action that happened from that at the time. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. All right, I got a question emailed to me. I got to pull it up. Um, but it was about the running back group. It, okay. was, it was essentially just how – I just got to remember who sent it. Um, Neil, I don't know if that's our Neil from London. I don't think it is. Different Neil. Neil from London, if you can hear us. We're big on Neils here. Reach out. Yeah, we're big Neil podcast. Um, yeah, Neil wants to know, with Miles Gaskin coming in, is he basically taking over for Ty Chandler, or how do you guys see that backfield shaking out behind Madison? Um, I think it's a good question because – as much as O'Connell has talked up Ty Chandler, the inexperience stands out. He He's not a third down back at this point in terms of the pass protection yeah. that they want from him. And Gaskin was a guy who caught 70 passes, I think, over two years in Miami. He's somebody who can come in and immediately profile as that third down back. Um, yeah, How do you guys see that shaking out behind Madison, who's, who's obviously the unquestioned lead? I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I don't know where I read it, but like it's, there was some place speculating that Chandler could become the starter at some point this season. I don't know. What? Just, yeah, I saw that somewhere. Uh, I think it was ESPN. Um, speculating that that could be a change in the depth chart over Madison at some point. Gaskin, though, to 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 focus on what we hear, what we know here and now, uh, sounds like a more natural, like you say, third third down back and certainly more experienced. Maybe a guy they trust more. Whereas yes, and maybe Chandler is more of the guy who they think. Okay, if Madison needs a break, like a series break, that's the guy you want. Or if he has to miss a game or two, that's a guy who could see a lot of early down action. So that's, that's kind of, maybe it's not a clearly defined two or three. It's kind of more of a role shift than anything. I talked to CJ Ham the other day too, and he's excited about uh, all of us talking about him being used as a third down back. And it's not just us; it's O'Connell who keeps mentioning it. Is he excited well. about being a third down back, or is he specifically excited about us talking about him? <laughs> no, I think he, he listens to the podcast. All of that. All of that. He, he likes big... his opportunities. I ah. think. I like he likes getting on the field, which he didn't do much of last year. Yeah, that's um, true. So it, with, with CJ, they could use him as a third down protector, um, receiving option as well. CJ had mentioned people forget I was a running back. Yeah, at one point, pretty good. One in college yep. so hi cj if you're listening <laughs> so um but i i think this i would be shocked if it's anybody but alexander madison it, o'connell has been staunch at like saying even when they flirted with kareem hunt he came out and said like madison's status is not changing and yeah from what madison <laughs> told me uh, for our, our sit down for our story coming out on saturday he was promised rb1 status when he signed that that that's why it surprised me too when i read it and like someone in our my fantasy draft was like oh madison's not gonna be the starter all year i'm like where are you who are you hearing this let them he's not signing that contract no exactly if he doesn't no let them believe we'll that mike so then you right. can yeah. i'll get i'll get all those madison points that was kind of my hope i was i i spent too much money in an auction draft to get him but i was sort of hoping that 
he would slide enough that I could slip in because I, I, uh, I mean, I didn't. I had. I spent all my money on McCaffrey and Eckler. So yeah, and Justin Jefferson. I don't so. like my. I don't like my stars team. and scrubs is hate the approach team. this year over here. Hate not that anyone hate cares. Team as usual. We got a question from crazy about mine either. Ezra, not Cleveland. Gonzalez wants to know with uh, T.J. Hawkinson resting, resetting the tight end market, and assuming Justin Jefferson resets the wide receiver market before Sunday's game, which player do you guys think has the bigger game? But boy, this is just a fantasy football podcast right now. Good yeah, air, sure is. Some, some uh, air, some air quotes <laughs> over here. Who has the bigger game against the Buccaneers, Ben? Put on your uh, prediction hat um, and, and your better hat. I, this is not sponsored by DraftKings. It's not. Uh, <laughs> I would say Justin Jefferson, I think. Um, I yeah. yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> he's pretty good. He's good. I think he'll I think he'll catch some passes and score some points. Uh, Jamel, Jamel <laughs> Dean is the corner I was, I was yeah. thinking of from the Buccaneers. He signed a four-year deal worth a lot of millions. Um, he's did, he, pretty, did he reset the market? He's pretty good. No, he, I don't think he did. Okay. I don't think he did. But he's also pretty good. With incentives, maybe. Um, How long does, do you need to reset the market for for it to matter? I mean, I remember when, like, when Cousins reset the market, his first quarterback contract, he was the highest paid for like three weeks. we got two more questions, right? Yeah, yeah. We can get Let's to fire some more. Because um, we, we do have uh, to. I wanna, Sean Borman's question, what's the second team offensive line in practice? That speaks near and dear to my offensive line heart. What is the second? What's the plan if someone gets hurt? Uh, they're still going to go with uh, Ole Udo as their swing tackle right now, which I, contractually oh, they kind of had to unless they wanted to eat some money. Um, yeah, if they would have cut him, they would have saved – or no, if they traded him, they would have saved some money. Yeah. But they – they didn't look at him as a guy they wanted to get rid of. They he started a playoff game. They uh, thought it was important to have a veteran swing, veteran swing tackle. So they do see him, regardless of what those of us on the outside may think, as part of the plan, at least in that sense of things. Well, boy, I don't know how you look at him and feel confident, but if they do, they do. Uh, Ole had a tough off season, but uh, yeah, he's the guy who's going to be that backup swing tackle right now for both left and right side. Um, Blake Brandle, somebody who didn't even play in the preseason finale, will be the top guard up. And Austin Schlotman is mustache the mustache champion. Austin Schlotman, the backup center, he won the Mustache Monday, correct? Yes. Uh, all because he and there was actually some squabble. I heard some players arguing that he shouldn't have because all he did was shave his chin. Yep. To make it look like, as Kirk said, a Civil War general. Yes, which apparently his wife had never seen. <laughs> Can't you? His chin? Still a must. Yeah, that's what he said, that his Still. wife had never seen the bottom of his face without that's hair true. on it. Wow. So he, I think commitment to the bit is part of what put him over the top. Yeah, so that is what the Vikings are looking at right now. Um, Dalton Reisner is still a free agent. He is. Dalton Reisner, still a free agent. Kirk Cousins, official burner. Maybe we can end with this really fast. Will I have to change my name to a new Vikings quarterback next year? Kirk Cousins, official burner. Maybe. Boy, we're just making a lot of predictions here. It's yeah, some people Farr's asking us a lot burner. of questions. That's what happens when we get questions. No, I just was saying maybe. Maybe. It's not like if we're going to talk about quarterbacks and are yeah. they going to be here or not, there's only one way to answer that question. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I say no. I say they find a way to re-sign Kirk for next year. I would tend to be like 52-48 in that regard as well. Sounds like, like, a, sounds like an Ed Donatel game. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think he's probably going to be here. I think he's probably going to be here. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Andrew. I'm going to go solo here for a little bit and answer a couple more questions after we got cut off for time with the group. Uh, typically, this Friday, mailbag will be a little bit longer. It should be at least 15 to 20 minutes every Friday. 
Um, so please, again, send your questions to all of us, Ben Gessling, Andrew Kramer, Michael Rand on Twitter or via email. We all have pretty boilerplate emails uh, at the Star Tribune. It's just our names, uh, andrew.kramer at startribune.com. You can send them to me anytime and we will get to these. And I want to start one off with Drew. He asks, when an undrafted free agent makes the final 53, do their contracts with the team change? Do they go to vet minimum for one year? Does it vary? Um, this is a good question because the Vikings had three undrafted rookies make the squad in Ivan Pace, who we'll talk about in a little bit, Najee Thompson, and Andre Carter. And the quick answer is no. The, the contracts do not change at all. Um, they are automatically uh, minimum deals um, when they sign. Uh, very rarely are you going to see an undrafted free agent sign for anything more than what is minimum each year. And that actually might be uh, CBA mandated. I don't know that much. But when they make the 53, uh, their contracts stay the same, meaning all these guys are earning $750,000, which is the lowest an NFL player can make on a 53-man roster throughout the whole year. Now, it changes if a guy gets waived and he gets put on the practice squad. Those salaries are much lower. A team can choose to sign them uh, based on experience level. If you are an undrafted rookie, you can only make about 12000 per week. I mean, good work if you can get it, right? But it's still much lower than being on the 53-man roster. And so if Pace or Carter or Thompson were to get uh, demoted down to the practice squad, that is when that contract would change in terms of what he's getting paid. Um, but the only thing that differentiates these undrafted guys and their contracts is what they were guaranteed to sign on the dotted line back in late April after the draft. And obviously, Andre Carter ended up signing for the tops. It was like 350000 guaranteed. It was a team record uh, out of Army, the edge rusher. And then Ivan Pace ended up getting about $236,000 guaranteed. Najee Thompson is an amazing story who we talked about last week on the podcast. He got $0 guaranteed, and he had to earn his way up, and now he's going to get, if he stays on the roster, $750,000. So those guys do all get minimum deals, and they are three-year contracts that they sign as opposed to the four-year contracts that drafted rookies sign. Uh, and then that's why you see some of these undrafted guys going back to Anthony Harris, um, going back to CJ Ham. Um, that's why they become restricted free agents when their deals are up and not unrestricted because NFL rules mandate that you need to play four years to earn your unrestricted status. And these guys' deals are up after three years, and it allows teams more control to then slap tenders on them that are, you know, set every year at 1 million, 2 million, 3 million for that additional year before they earn the uh, undraft or uh, unrestricted, I should say, free agent status um, following their fourth years in the NFL. And that's if they get the accrued season. If they're on the active roster, I think it's like 10 plus games in a given year, you earn that accrued season. And that goes towards the four that you need to make under unrestricted free agent status. Uh, but it was a good question because these things get lost by the wayside and not talked about very often. Uh, but the Vikings have those three guys under contract for the next three years, and that will only change if they get signed to the practice squad, um, in which case their promotion will then lead to them, if they were to get back to the active roster, it would lead to them 
having to sign a new contract, which generally is going to be the same thing, a minimum deal uh, over three years or however much uh, they've got left until they, they can become restricted or unrestricted free agents. Um, let's go to a question here from Pascal wants to know, speaking of pace, can you discuss rookie Ivan Pace and tell us if the hype is real? Am I insane to believe he's a sleeper for defensive rookie of the year? And what other rookies besides Jordan Addison might make a splash? Uh, this is a good question. It, I think you are insane to believe he's a sleeper for defensive rookie of the year. Not that the kid's not talented, but that he's an undrafted rookie who, like all rookies, um, is going to need to figure life out in the NFL. And frankly, Pace is not going to play a full-time role out of the gate. We heard from Brian Flores um, on Thursday of this week mention that it's going to be Brian Osamoa and it's going to be Jordan Hicks. And I should correct myself. We've we've been corrected. It's uh, Osamoa for, for Brian's last name, his pronunciation. He went a whole year letting us mispronounce it. Um, so Brian Osamoa will be the one getting uh, most of those reps as a second-year, third-round pick. And Brian Flores said, we hope to get Ivan Pace into the game for some snaps. Um, So I wouldn't expect Pace to be playing a big, big role right out of the gate. It'll probably be special teams, some sub package stuff, Um, a lot of promise and hype for him that was warranted because of how well coaches reviewed him, not only in the classroom, uh, but on the field, getting off blocks and making plays. And they, they loved him so much in those two preseason games that he didn't even play in the third preseason game. He suited up and was an emergency option in that finale, but they never put him in because they'd seen enough. Um, He's really one of the good revelations for this young, young defense in terms of finding a guy that, hey, maybe a year from now we're talking about a guy who takes Jordan Hicks's job uh, in that starting lineup if he continues to ascend the way that it looks like. And then to get to the second part of the question, what other rookies – Uh, could have a splash or make an impact this season. Um, Obviously, if if you look at their second pick in the third round, Makai Blackman is a guy we've talked about a lot. He's a guy that's gotten a lot of reps with the first-team defense. It was like the second week of camp. Actually, I think it was as soon as pads came on, so it was like the sixth day of camp. Um, He took over from Jawan Williams, who's now on the practice squad, with that first team as the third corner when Brian Flores goes with three corners. And that's going to be interesting to see, too, how Flores rolls this out um, throughout the year because if you can trust two outside corners other than Byron Murphy, I expect Byron Murphy to be in the slot the majority of the time. But if one of those outside corners becomes a liability in man-to-man coverage, if that's Blackman, if that's a Caleb Evans, um, he might be forced to play more of the big nickel three safety kind of looks where Metellus is manning the middle of the field. Um, and, and they rely on Byron Murphy to be one of those outside corners and they can rely on just two of them. But right now it looks like it's going to be Makai Blackman on the field in their nickel situations and their smaller nickel situations, uh, which is a big role for a rookie right out of the gate. Now Blackman's 24 years old. He's older for a rookie played six years of college between JUCO, four years at Colorado. Then he transferred to USC last year. And, and I back in May, I talked to um, USC's uh, defensive backs coach about Blackman 
and they moved him all over the field, putting him on opposing wide receiver ones, putting him in the slot. He shadowed guys wherever they went. And that versatility is incredibly coveted by Brian Flores and just having the smarts and, and um, coaches being able to rely on uh, whoever they put out there that you know, you might be playing in the nickel or the slot at some point or on the outside. These things are going to change based on the package, the call, uh, based on what the offense does. There are so many checks in this defense. I remember talking to Cam Bynum who mentioned that, that there's going to be a lot more flexibility in this defense for us to make these calls. And that's why they valued Byron Murphy so much in that nickel spot or Josh Metellus if he plays it because they need a veteran in that spot who uh, can relay, understand what that call is going to be and relay it. And Cam Bynum had told me that, man, if you get a guy in there who just assumes what check you're going to make, everything goes faster because we're, we're watching the offense now as opposed to looking at each other and making sure we got the check or the adjustment. So reliability experience is going to be huge. And while Makai has flexibility to go in there and be a nickel, I don't expect him to do that yet, uh, right, certainly not right out of the gate. Uh, he's going to be an outside corner, and that's still a big role for him. And he's going to have to cover man to man on the outside. And a guy who's kind of diminutive. He's he's five foot ten, five foot eleven. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, Caleb Evans is six two, and and much more suited to line up across from Mike Evans or some of these big receivers. And I do think that uh, goes a long way. So keep an eye on Blackman. He's he's going to have a big role um, right away, and it is going to be interesting to see. Um, how much they get out of him and how well he can handle that. Um, otherwise, Jay Ward barely made the roster as a sixth safety. Um, I don't expect him to have much role outside of special teams right away, uh, although they did like his work on special teams in the preseason. And then obviously the other rookies are Jaron Hall, who's QB3, and then uh, Dwayne McBride, who's on the practice squad and showed that he just has a long way to go to catching up to the intricacies of the NFL. Um, Najee Thompson, I talked to him this week, and, and he's going to have a role right away. They're putting him in at Gunner to essentially take Chris Boyd's spot, which that's huge. That is a big enough role that is not going to get talked about on the broadcast unless he makes a big play. Um, but that is a big spot where you saw him flash in the preseason in those roles, uh, making tackles down the field, and that was enough for the team to say, yep, you're ready to jump in. He's going to be active on Sunday. He's going to be fulfilling that role right away. Uh, he's another guy who's going to have uh, a big-time role um, right out of the gate. So they're going to rely on some young guys in their limited kind of niches, um, and we're going to have to see how they handle that and then how coaches adjust from there. Um, again, thank you guys for these questions. Please keep sending them to us. Uh, we will do our best to get to as many as we can. Um, right now, I want to share with you guys a clip of an interview I did with Alexander Madison. You can go on StarTribune.com on Saturday or even Friday night, maybe. That story should be live. I sat down with Alexander to talk about being RB1, taking over for Dalvin Cook, who he played with for four years, um, the team moving on from Dalvin um, much sooner than they did transactionally. Uh, Dalvin was on the roster till June 8th, but... Uh, Alexander said, Dalvin called me on March 16th and said he knew what it was going to be. Uh, he knew I was taking over because obviously Madison agreed to sign for two years up to $8 million on March 15th. 
And so the last two and a half months of Dalvin's tenure as a, as a Vikings running back was really spent just wondering where he was going to go because the team was trying to trade him to offload some of that money. Uh, and eventually they cut him, and obviously he eventually signs with the Jets. But the running back market from Jonathan Taylor to Josh Jacobs and all these guys, it, it's a big storyline in the NFL right now. And I got a chance to ask Alexander Madison about his free agency Uh, He was a free agent for five hours, uh, technically, on March 15th. But these conversations with other teams go much longer. You hear about legal tampering, even though that's an oxymoron. Um, It's just tampering. These agents uh, talk to teams about players. They they find ways to talk around it. What if I had a running back that was available? (laughs) What if I had a former Viking running back that you might be interested in? Um, So Alexander was honest in talking about kind of you know, how they view the running back market and really what his opportunities were outside of Minnesota and why he ultimately decided to come back um, very quickly um, on the eve of the first day of free agency, or not the eve, but the night of on the first day that March 15th. So let's hear from Alex. And again, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. Obviously, you got a you know, family and yourself to take care of. What, was that all you needed to know from Minnesota to accept that deal um, that they were putting on the table? That hey, I'm going to be the guy, or were were there chances? Is what I'm getting at that you could go still have gone elsewhere? Um, free agency. So at that point, it they came in with the so the market was already screwed up. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The market was screwed up. Um, yeah, that's fair. And we were waiting for guys to go that were like, so Miles uh, Sanders was one of the them. The tier that yeah. where I was sitting, I thank you, was um, thank you very much. There's there was David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, oh, right. and Jamal Williams, yeah. and yeah. then when you have Josh Jacobs and Barkley. Uh, Barkley and Tony Pollard. Yeah. We knew all three of them were going to get tagged before. You know, we knew this combine prep. We okay. knew. We had word that they were going to all three. Well, not even, not Saquon. Okay. Tony Pollard and uh, Josh Jacobs were going to get tagged. The thing that screwed the market was when Saquon Barkley got tagged. Slowed everything down, question marks going around. And then that's where you got guys, you know, not taking these low deals. But then you see the, on the back end of it, there's like, you know, how they do like tiers of things. The lower tier guys are signing these low minimum contracts and it's messing the floor up because yeah. the ceiling already isn't that high with yeah. the franchise tag yeah, yeah, so yeah. the floor of it um, was placed real low when guys just started taking these like vet minimum or one one for this and one for that yeah. you know you had I think Jeff Wilson you know some guys who you know had a thousand yards that season um, they're taking these minimum deals so then uh, you know through that process it was like all right we're getting like a low ball from Philly we're getting a low ball here we're getting an interest here, but they also have interest in Montgomery, who's still on the yeah. table, Miles Sanders, who's still. There's like a pool of like four backs, yeah. and there's a pool of like six teams that are like, I'm interested. So it was kind of like a waiting game. Yeah. Um, and then I think someone flew off the table. I think Montgomery signed with the Lions, who were in. Um, I think after that, maybe Jamal signed with the Saints. Yeah. Um, and so then we're looking at like, okay, what what does a contract for me look like in comparison? And that's when the Vikings finally were, I guess you know whatever they're doing uh, business wise, they put an offer on the table and we had a conversation and they had the most respect behind their offer. They had the most you know to offer um, for.
from that standpoint. And then obviously coming back here with the whole other half of it was, you know, I'm, I'm here, I love it here. Love the organization, love the staff, love the locker room. So it was one of those things where like that weighed heavy and then also just the respect of them, you know, believing in me and, you know, giving me that respect with what, you know, with the market the way that it was and yeah. kind of trying to do the most that they can.